number 313. I don't know if you know this song or not. It just, it's just the chorus. I don't know why he didn't put the verses in here, but number 313, He Abides. Um, my, I have an aunt that has passed on, but this was one of her favorite songs. I remember they sang it at her funeral. <clears throat> it's very precious to her and uh, needs to be precious to all of us. Mm-hmm. He abides, he abides. Hallelujah, he abides with me. I'm rejoicing night and day as I walk the narrow way, for the Comforter abides with me. Let's sing it again. He abides, He abides. Hallelujah, He abides with me. I'm rejoicing night and day as I walk the narrow way, for the Comforter abides with me. Celebrating the fact that He abides. He's here to stay. He is with us. Have you ever felt abandoned? Abandoned, whether by your father or your mother, or by your siblings, or by your friends, or abandoned by God. Sometimes we feel that too. It's a terrible feeling, feeling left behind, feeling like other people are moving on and I'm stuck feeling like situations are moving on and I remain in the situation that I'm in. I had a picture of this this week, a little toddler. It was in a crowd and the toddler was sitting on his mother's lap, just a little guy. He was actually just toddling. He could barely walk, but he could walk and he got tired of sitting on his mother's lap And so she let him down, and he started wobbling around, and and it was in a crowd of people, and it wasn't too long till he realized he didn't know where his mother was. And he looked around and did what a toddler does in that situation. Wasn't quite that loud, but that's what he did. He felt abandoned. We have those feelings, too. Sometimes we're not sure what we're feeling, but we feel lost, or we feel like we don't know who's there for us. Hopefully we've learned more mature ways of responding to that feeling. But I think it's important to acknowledge those things, those feelings. 
The disciples went through that, the disciples of Jesus. So Jesus came and engaged them and was with them. And as disciples and rabbis were in those days, they were with him almost 24-7. They lived with him. They followed him. They, they walked in his footsteps. They did what he did. They preached what he preached. They stayed with him. Jesus truly was Emmanuel, God with us, in, with his disciples there. <clears throat> but there came a time when the disciples felt abandoned by Jesus. When all the miraculous powers that they'd seen him uh, put into to use, the practical use, he didn't use. He got into a situation, and I believe they fully expected him to just walk out of it again, like he had so many times. But this time, Jesus didn't. This time, Jesus gave himself. And his enemies crucified him, killed him. And he just took it and gave his life. I'm convinced the disciples felt abandoned. Here they had given their lives to, to him, to following him. And he, it, it felt like he betrayed them. But then there was a resurrection. And Jesus appeared. Just when they weren't expecting him, he showed up. But then, just as unexpectedly, he vanished again. And he came and went. And they never knew when he would show up. They never knew when he would leave. But he spent considerable time with them after the resurrection. And then he started talking about leaving. Actually, before the death and resurrection, he talked about leaving. Let's look at one of those passages. Uh, John 14, again, I'll be preaching from John 14 repeatedly. But this was before Jesus' death and resurrection, when he talked about leaving them. And they didn't understand it. So I think they probably understood some of this after the resurrection or began to see light on what he had said. So verse chapter 14, John 14, starts out with, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I read this last Sunday. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So Jesus was telling them he's going to leave. They didn't like that. He said he was going to leave. And uh, in later chapters, several times, he says, it's better if I leave. We heard about that 
last Sunday as well. But he said, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. Well, but he still left. And they didn't know when he was coming back. And the truth is, you and I don't know when he's coming back. He said he's coming back. Here he says, I am coming back for you. I'm going to come get you. But we don't know when. And in the meantime, a whole lot of terrible things are happening in this world. And many times we feel abandoned because of that. Jesus, what's going on? But he says, don't let your heart be troubled. Let's read uh, verse 15, John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may, say that word with me, abide with you forever. That he may abide with you forever. And that's what I'd like for us to celebrate this morning. Jesus, he left, but he sent himself the Holy Spirit, to abide with us forever. He is here, and he's here to stay, and it will be forever. So let's continue reading. Verse 17, talking about the Holy Spirit, who is here to stay, abiding with us forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. A little while longer and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live, you will live also. At that day you will know, that day when he sends the Holy Spirit, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and he will come to him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So these scriptures talk about the Holy Spirit. They talk about him being a helper, a comforter, a teacher, a reminder, a guide. But this morning I want to emphasize his presence. His presence. Jesus said, that the Comforter would come, the Helper, the Holy Spirit would come 
and abide with us forever. And we know this happened at Pentecost. This happened at Pentecost. The Holy Spirit was poured out on all flesh. It was made available for everyone. Now, I don't understand how this is. Because I believe God was, is, I believe God is omnipresent. Everywhere present, all the time. God is present. He's a spirit, and he is present. And I believe he always was present. He's the eternal God. He doesn't change, so that means he always was everywhere present. So how does this work that Jesus said at a certain point, God the Holy Spirit will be poured out on all flesh when God was already everywhere present? I don't have a clue. (laughs) I don't know what the difference is. But I know there is a difference. In the Old Testament, we are told that the Spirit would come on, come upon certain men and they would prophesy. They would come on kings. They would come on prophets. They would come on certain people, and they would do great things for God. And we're taught that that was changed when when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. So, as we celebrate this fact that the Holy Spirit is now available, is now on all people, What does that do for us? How is that different? How is the New Testament follower and believer in God different than the Old Testament follower and believer in God? How can we enjoy His presence in a new way? I have three things that I think of that that are prerequisites for enjoying the presence of the Holy Spirit. First of all, believing and then receiving, and then walking in the Spirit. Believing the Holy Spirit, receiving the Holy Spirit, and walking in the Holy Spirit. And I don't know that it's necessarily in that order, but maybe. Maybe they all come together, all three together. But we need to, if we are going to experience the blessing and the benefit of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we need to believe it. We need to receive it, and we need to walk in the Spirit. So, let's talk a little bit about believing. We're told that faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the Word. So, let's look at the Word. Let's look at Joel. Joel 2.28. Ezekiel, Daniel... Hosea, Joel. Joel chapter 2, we'll be reading verses 28 and 29. And this is talking about, after giving the the children of Israel a call to repentance, he, he says the land will be refreshed. There'll be good things happening to God's people as they turn to him and repent. And then Joel 2.28 says, And it shall come to pass afterward 
that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. That's some of what I don't understand. God is everywhere. He always has been everywhere. But there's some kind of new dimension or new availability that was prophesied here in Joel by the prophet Joel. It says that God will pour out His Spirit on all flesh, not just certain people for certain times. But it was always available for all people at all times. And let's see what happens here. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. So you get the picture here. It's everybody. It's old men. It's young men. It is it doesn't just have to be people of position and status, but it's on servants, on men's servants and maid servants, all flesh, all of humanity. Now let's go to Acts where this was fulfilled. Acts 2. Acts 2 was uh, Pentecost, and uh, cloven tongues of fire came down on people, and they were speaking in tongues, and they were. Uh, praising God, and just having, it was, uh, it was uh, the atmosphere changed. Something in the atmosphere changed, and people didn't know what was happening. And uh, then Peter got up and explained, Acts 2, verse 16. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. So it was prophesied way before this. And now he says, this, what was happening here, what happened here uh, with the early church in Acts 2, Peter says, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, and on my men's servants and on my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. I will just read the rest of these verses, 19. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So this is a result of the Holy Spirit being poured out, that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Or you might say, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will receive the Holy Spirit because he's made available to all, to, to all people. Now let's go back here to John 14 and just look at uh, uh, the different ways that it, it, it says that he'll come. And it says that God will be with us. And I just love the way the Trinity is intertwined in this. So Jesus was God the Son, and he came, and really the big deal, the thing that makes the big difference is what the people believed about Jesus. And that's what makes the big difference for us. What do you really believe about Jesus in who he is. Do you really believe that Jesus is 
God, or don't you? That's what makes the big difference. Because if you believe that Jesus is God, you will listen intently. You will believe what he says. You will do exactly what he says. You will follow in his footsteps. And you'll, be, you'll have that prayer that we prayed repeatedly this morning, oh, to be like thee. And I want to be like Jesus too, but then we get to verse 3, and it says, willing to suffer others to save. And then I don't know for sure if I still want to be like Jesus. But if I believe that Jesus is God, I want to be like Jesus regardless what it costs me. All right, John 14, verse 16, that he may abide forever. The Holy Spirit came and he abides forever. Verse 17, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, implies that we need faith, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. He abides. Jesus already here before Pentecost, he said he dwells with you. And he says he will be in you after Pentecost. So there we have his abiding in us. Then we have verse 18. And they were bent out of shape because Jesus was going to leave them. But he said, don't let your heart be troubled. I'm coming back for you. But in the meantime, I will not leave you orphans as orphans. Orphans are people who don't have a father. So we have, there we have God the Father coming to us in the form of the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus goes on in verse 18 and says, I will come to you. So we have God the Son. God is one. You can't have God the Son in your heart without God the Holy Spirit. You can't have God the Son and God the uh, Holy Spirit in your heart without God the Father. He's one. Yes, I don't understand this either, but three individuals, three personalities, the person of the Holy Spirit, the person of God the Son, the person of God the Father. But Jesus put, just twists it all together. And he says, I'm not going to abandon you. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And he's not just going to show up and then vanish and show up and vanish like I've been doing since my resurrection. But the Holy Spirit is going to stay with you. You can count on it. You can trust it. Yes, it takes faith. But you can believe it and receive it, and you can walk in the Spirit. So, he's abide with you forever, verse 16. Verse 17, he dwells with you and will be in you. Verse 18, you will not be fatherless. You will not be fatherless. Because the Holy Spirit will be with you. I myself will be with you, he says in verse 18. Verse 20. At that day, after the Holy Spirit is poured out, that's what I believe he's saying, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. When the Holy Spirit is poured out, you will know that I am in you. We're one. So his presence is there. Verse 21. 
He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. I believe Jesus manifests himself to us through the Holy Spirit that is with us. Verse 23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. The, whole, the, the Trinity will make its home with us. He abides. We need to celebrate his abiding presence. We need to believe it. Believe the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now we also need to receive it. This promise was made to the disciples. And they needed to believe it. They needed to receive it. The question is, are we a disciple of Jesus? What does it take to be a disciple of Jesus? If anyone wants to come after me, let him take up his cross, deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That's what it takes. Deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. As you believe it and choose to receive it, these are prerequisites. This is a part of the process of believing and receiving. If you truly believe, you will say, I died to self. I'm wrong. God is right. It's all about repentance. It's all about coming to Jesus and leaving ourselves behind and making Jesus our, our everything. We hang our lives on him. Deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. That's how we receive him. That's how we receive it. We need to believe it and receive it. <clears throat> and we identify as a disciple. Jesus spoke these words to his disciples. You and I are choosing to be disciples of Jesus, so these words apply to us as well. That's the part of believing and receiving. Now, walking in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit. How do you walk in the Spirit? Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. If you follow Jesus, and Jesus and the Spirit are one, you will be walking in the Spirit. You can't divorce them. They're one. You follow Jesus. You believe what he says. You do what he says. You preach what he preaches. You act like he acts. You talk like he talks. You pray like he prays. You walk with him. You come to him. Each step is coming to him, and it's a continual coming, believing that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And John 7, 37, uh, that is just it's John 7, 37 and 38, but if you want to remember 737, there's a Boeing aircraft, the 737. It's like flying to Jesus. Jesus, Jesus stood on that great day and said, if anyone come to me, believe in me, uh, and, and comes to me, and drinks of me, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And this spake he concerning the Holy Spirit, which those believing in him would receive. 
So it's a coming to him, a continual coming to Jesus, a keeping in step with Jesus. That is walking in the Spirit. If we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So that's denying self and following Jesus. We follow Jesus, we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And that goes right along with what Jesus said here. It says, if you keep my commandments, I will send the Comforter. I will send the Holy Spirit. It says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father and I will come and make our home with him. So it's, yeah, verse 21, he who has my commandments and keeps them, I will manifest myself to him through the Holy Spirit. This is the context here in, in uh, John 14. So, as we look around, we see the effects of abandonment, where people are left behind. There's hurt. There's despair. When, when fathers abandon their families, there is, there is hopelessness. There is purposelessness. People don't have purpose. You see young people on the street just aimlessly, aimlessly wandering around. They don't have purpose. They've been abandoned. Nobody is fathering them. Nobody is parenting them. And that leads to sin. And then that sin leads to more sin. Terrible effects of being abandoned. But the Holy Spirit abides. Chapter 15 then, John, John talks about how we need to abide in Him. If God is so here on this earth, why don't we see better effects of it? If the Holy Spirit abides, like I'm saying, why, 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 why are we in such terrible shape as, huma as humans? Well, first of all, God doesn't force himself on anyone. God doesn't force himself on humanity. And humanity needs to choose him. Humanity needs to choose to believe in him, to receive him, and act accordingly. And if, as, as people aren't doing that, they don't experience the effects of the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit. The other thing is we aren't looking in the right places. We're not looking at the right things. If we look at what God is doing, we will see the effects of the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit. Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. But you will fulfill, you will produce the fruit of the Spirit. So this morning, what I want to emphasize is that we do not need to fear being abandoned. And when we have those feelings, those are legit feelings of, of earthly abandonment. But the truth is, God is with us. The Holy Spirit is here. And as we have chosen to be disciples of Jesus, 
we can claim the promise of his indwelling presence in our lives. And we don't have to fear. We can walk into new situations saying, God is with me. Jesus told his disciples they'd be persecuted and they'd be brought before people, but he said, don't worry about what you'll tell them because when you get there, the Holy Spirit will tell you what to say. So we no longer have to fear anything because God is with us. The Holy Spirit is with us. He will teach us. He will lead us. He will guide us if we walk in the Spirit. You're familiar with Galatians 5. It says, don't walk in the flesh. Don't, don't walk that. And it implies that as Christians, we can do either. We can spend time fulfilling the lust of the flesh, or we can walk in the Spirit. And walking in the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is, say it, love, joy. Good job. I'm impressed. That's the effects of the Holy Spirit. I told you that the Holy Spirit, Jesus, and God the Father are one. As you think of Father's Day, and as you think of a really, really good father that is present with his family, that is godly, that has a connection with his children, how do those children act? When a little child is aware of dad's presence, when the child is aware of dad's presence abiding with him, is he going to act up? It's when the child doesn't think about dad's presence abiding with him that he does things he shouldn't. But when dad is home, there's peace. We relax. Dad's taking care of things. There will be order. There's love. There's joy. And we behave. Be aware of the abiding presence of God. God the Father in the Holy Spirit. The atmosphere changes. God is here. The Holy Spirit abides forever. And it's not just being nice because we have to. No, it's because we're one with the Father. <clears throat> if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. It is by the Spirit that we were saved, and it is by the Spirit that we live in victory. He abides. He abides forever. We don't have to fear abandon, being abandoned anymore. We don't, have to, we don't even have to have FOMO. We don't have to fear missing out on anything because God is here, and we have the Spirit with us. Regardless who comes or who goes, we have him in us.
Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your presence here. Thank you for sending the Spirit. Thank you that you have given us the opportunity to believe. And you have made yourself available in the Holy Spirit to all men. God, there's so much we don't understand, but we choose to believe. And we walk by faith, and we rejoice in your presence. Forgive us for the ways that we have given in to the feelings of abandonment, ways that we have feared you not being there for us, when we've been unwilling to step into new situations or unwilling to suffer in our choice to follow Jesus, please forgive us. And we commit ourselves to believing and receiving and walking in the Spirit. Just bless this message to each heart, meeting each need that's here. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.